shirt like Pastor Rick. Steinmart, here we come. All right. Good to see you out tonight. All right, kids can be dismissed at this time through the back with my wife for the special uh, children's meeting. Kids meeting tonight is going to be great. No tornadoes. Say amen on that. Well, at least it didn't touch us, so we're glad about that. But good to see you out tonight. A couple of books back there might be a help to you. I'm going to touch on this subject tonight. Forgiveness. Book on forgiveness. Boy, we always need that. Amen. Always plenty of opportunities to exercise forgiveness. And then one called The Extraordinary Wife. The Extraordinary Wife. 30-day mentorship program for wives. Some things that might be a help and a blessing to you. Take your little pamphlet tonight. Turn to page 6. Page 6. A happy home is where family members have mastered the art of forgiveness. How about that? A happy home is where family members have mastered the art of forgiveness. Now, this is a subject that uh, I have found that often when I speak on it, it shuts the meeting down (laughs) because it's such a sensitive thing and everybody can relate to it. And there has to be a brokenness before God before there will be any kind of forgiveness granted on the horizontal, all right? So tonight, let's align our hearts with heaven. Let's invite God to come and search us, teach us, correct us, bless us, help us, empower us in this uh, business of mastering the art of forgiveness. So let's stand to our feet and let's just have a little season of prayer right here. Open up your heart to the Lord, if you would. I invite God, the Holy Spirit, to come and talk to you and to others as well. Just go ahead and tell him whatever he says, you're in. Whatever he says, Lord, whatever you say, I'm in. I'll, I'll, I'll follow. I'll obey. I'll, I'll, I'll listen. I'll apply. Father, thank you for these friends. Thank you for this church. They've been such a blessing to us over the years and still are. And God, thank you for uh, the crowd that's out here on this uh, unsettled evening weather-wise. We just are thankful, God, for the ministry of the Word. And we're thankful for our homes. And Lord, we all want a happy home. So, Father, tonight, may the things be said tonight by your Spirit that will move us uh, into the arena of happiness within our families in a greater way. We anticipate blessing because we ask in Jesus' name and we say thank you. All God's people say it. You can be seated. A happy home is where family members have mastered the art of forgiveness. Page 6 in your little thing right here is where our notes are if you want to follow that. Uh, C.S. Lewis said that forgiveness is a beautiful concept until you have someone that you need to forgive. Forgiveness is a beautiful concept until you need to practice it. I hear heavenly music. I mean, it's the rapture. Uh, uh, Now, now let me say this. that a, a, A happy home is a team sport. You know, successful ball teams, they do a lot of practicing. And they practice together. And a happy home is a team sport because practicing forgiveness is essential for a happy home. In fact, forgiveness is so fundamental in relationships that close personal relationships are absolutely impossible without it. And nothing is more vital than forgiveness in the family unit. Now, good families consist of good forgivers. Good families consist of good forgivers, forgiving husbands, forgiving wives, forgiving fathers, forgiving mothers, forgiving parents, forgiving children, forgiving brothers, forgiving sisters. Now look at our text here. I think we have it on the screen. Uh, Let's just uh, read this out loud together tonight, if we could. Uh, Together, please. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor 
and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Now, that's our text. Now, what he's saying here is stop acting like mere mortals. Uh, we don't want to be like people. We don't want to be like a human. We want to be godlike. So he said, put away. That means dispose of bitterness. Get rid of it. Get rid of wrath, anger, evil speaking, slander. And, and malice is a, a, is a spite or a desire for revenge. And the scripture says to put those things away. And contrary, be godlike. In, in other words, be kind, tenderhearted. Tenderhearted is the opposite of hardhearted. And forgiving one another, even as Christ uh, has forgiven you. Now, a lot of misunderstanding when it comes to the subject of forgiveness. A lot of Pollyanna preaching when it comes to this business of forgiveness. <laughs> so we want to correct it. So uh, forgiveness, let's talk about what forgiveness is not. Notice if you would, forgiveness is not pretending no offense was committed. Forgiveness is not playing like nothing happened. That's not what forgiveness is. Notice if you would, forgiveness is not trying to figure out why your offender did what he or she did. You don't have to try to psychoanalyze the people that wrong you and abuse you. That's not what forgiveness is. Notice forgiveness is not blaming yourself for what your offender did to you. A lot of abused people blame themselves. And they think that they're the problem. They're the culprit. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not ignoring the pain in your heart. That's not what forgiveness is. So what is forgiveness? Notice a few uh, concepts here. Number one, forgiveness is appropriating the grace God has given to you and extending it to your offender. Uh, forgiveness is appropriating the grace that God has given to you and extending it to your offender. Notice forgiveness is absorbing a liability somebody else deserves to pay. What did Jesus do? He took our place. He bore our sins. He took our punishment. He bore our wrath. It's absorbing a liability that somebody else deserves to pay. Notice forgiveness is a decision which must often be reaffirmed. Uh, it's a decision which must often, often be reaffirmed. Forgiveness is giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. Forgiveness is, is abandoning my right to get back at you for what you did to me. It's giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. Notice forgiveness is the perfume, the trampled flower leaves upon the heel that crushed it. What about that? You ever read about Corrie Ten Boom? In the prison, abused, her sister uh, raped and killed. And here she had to work through this whole thing of forgiving the guy that uh, abused them and even killed her sister. Well, it, it's, it, which, did she have a sweet spirit about her or what? The perfume that the trampled flower leaves upon the heel that crushed it. Notice forgiveness is the cancellation of an offense. It's blotting it out. Notice forgiveness is choosing to release a debt. And that's really what forgiveness is. It's a choice. To let go of a debt. That's what forgiveness is. Now, only one thing is more costly than forgiveness, and that is unforgiveness. And I want to tell you that unforgiveness grieves the Spirit of God. I said unforgiveness grieves the Holy Ghost. And the reason a lot of churches have no power, have no sense of God, have no presence of God, is because God left a long time ago, and they don't even know it. They think because their doctrinal statement is in order that God must be with them. 
They think that because they're holding the line that, that God must be with them. But I'm just here to tell you that uh, uh, the unforgiveness grieves the Spirit of God and it, it contaminates the home environment with division. Now listen, it destroys communication. Uh, unforgiveness, it, um, it poisons the people you come in contact with. It says in Hebrews, looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God. You know there's some warning passages in the Bible? How many know there's not all smiling passages in the Bible? You know, some preachers I hear, and everything they do, they got the same look on their face. And, but they, they always studiously avoid the warning passages. I believe that our countenance and our tone should reflect the tone of the text. That's what I think. And brother, some of these warning passages are severe. It says, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Do you understand it's possible to fail of the grace of God? Whatever that means. Now look at what it says here. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. It's a root of bitterness. Your pastor has the best message on bitterness I've ever heard. Uh, the root of bitterness, what does that mean? It's below the surface. It's out of sight. Well, you can't see it. That's why they call it a root of bitterness. And when you have this root of bitterness, many get defiled. Bitterness is like cancer. I hate cancer. I wish I hated sin as much as I hate cancer. I'd be a holy man if I hated sin as much as I hate cancer. I'll tell you that right now. But, uh, well, what is it? It's nature gone wild. That's what it is. It spreads and destroys. Bitterness multiplies the bad and kills the good. It multiplies the bad and it kills the good. Somebody said that bitterness is a poison you swallow and expect it to hurt the other person. It's a poison that you swallow and expect it to hurt your offender. A bitterness is a toxin you drink that kills you before the other man dies. Boy, I'll tell you what, bitterness is a terrible thing. Life is too short to tolerate it. Bitterness is like shooting yourself with a shotgun so the recoil will hit the other party. How stupid is that? Now, you're shooting yourself with buckshot and hoping that the uh, butt of the gun's going to hit the, hit the uh, You're doing yourself more damage, I'm telling you. And bitterness will not harm the object it's directed at, but it will destroy the container that it's stored in. God didn't make your body, your mind, your heart, or your soul to be a container for bitterness. Now, the, uh, the, the acid of bitterness. Now, unresolved offenses lead to bitterness. Unresolved offenses lead to bitterness. Now, why do families get out of sorts with one another? How come there's such a massive uh, uh, breakup uh, of homes? And if there's not an actual divorce, there's often an emotional or spiritual or a physical divorce. Now, why, why does this happen? Well, because of unresolved offenses. Uh, things like words that are said. Words that are said can be the seed for bitterness. Actions, things that are done, things that are done. Decisions, choices that are made. Why do families get out of sorts with one another? Because of disagreements, opinions that differ. You ever had a differing opinion from your spouse? You ever have a differing opinion from your parents? You ever had a differing opinion from your children? <laughs> I'll tell you what, there's generational differences. We, we better come to grips with this, that uh, our children grew up in a different context. They can't think like us, or they, they have no frame of reverence. Uh, and so we got, we got to appreciate that. But why do families get out of sorts with one another? Because of failures. Failures. Mistakes and sins that are not forgiven. 
Now, what I'm going to talk about tonight is mastering the art of forgiveness. And I think it's, a, it's an art. Master, how to master the art of forgiveness. If you want a happy home, buddy, you better master the art of forgiveness. Now, here, here's a few things to think about. It, it might cost you a lot to put things right, but it's going to cost you a whole lot more to leave things wrong. Nobody wins with unforgiveness. Nobody wins with unforgiveness. So I want to give you three uh, areas where forgiveness is called for uh, in the Bible. Number one, forgiveness from God. Number two, forgiveness to one another. And number three, forgiveness from others. Now let's talk about number one, accepting forgiveness from God. Accepting forgiveness from God. Now, your greatest need is not to forgive yourself. You ever hear these preachers say that you just need to forgive yourself? That is, that is stupid, humanistic, ridiculous, psychotic. You have no authority to absolve your guilt. You don't have the authority to forgive yourself. You don't need to forgive yourself. You need to accept the forgiveness that comes from God. He, he's the only one that can forgive sin. Now, sin is caused a breach. And Jesus healed this breach by taking our sins upon himself. He absorbed our liabilities. He took our punishment. He identified with us. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. By the way, how many righteous people are in the auditorium tonight? Lift your hand if you're a righteous person. Well, let me read this one more time and see if I, maybe I misread this. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the, we might be made the, of God in him. Hmm. I'm a righteous person. Anybody else a righteous person here? This isn't, this isn't bragging. This isn't pride. This is the word of God. I'm just telling you. How come we're so scared to death of Romans chapter 8? Why are we so afraid of these positive statements in the word of God? Now, the point being, you need forgiveness from God. It says in Psalm 130, there's forgiveness with you that you might be feared. It says in Acts 13, through this man, Jesus has preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians chapter 1, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of his sins. I was in a meeting down in Florida before coming up here. A girl came in. She got converted down in one of these wildfire revivals down in Florida. Let me tell you what happened to her. She quit sleeping around. She quit doping. She quit drinking. She quit her blaspheming. She not only quit a bunch of stuff, she started a bunch of stuff. And, 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 and I want to tell you something. She walked into the house, and, and, and brother, she and her sister were the only two that looked like they had an, any apparent victory by the countenance that they held. And I'm just, I'm tired of going to Baptist churches where the only people that are happy are the visiting charismatics. I'm just, I'm just tired of going to churches like, i just be honest with you. I, I'm a little weary of this. There's something wrong here. Now, brother, if your sins are forgiven, you've got something to shout about. You've got something. I mean, your present condition is so much better than your former condition. I mean, you just think about that. In whom we have forgiveness. Now, you don't achieve forgiveness by doing something or doing better. <laughs> like we've got to pay God back. You accept forgiveness by believing that Jesus died in your stead. Now, forgiveness is mandatory to be reconciled to God. We're not all God's children. I, I, I mean, not, and everything is not all right. I, I, I mean, sin brought such a, such a catastrophic division between humanity and God. So I ask you tonight, 
Do you have assurance in your heart that your sins are all forgiven? Do you know in your spirit that your sins have been blotted out by the blood of Jesus? I'll tell you, when God blots out your sins, God's pencil doesn't have any eraser. And I'm just telling you, it's good news here. It's good news. Now listen, a vertical forgiveness is the path into fellowship with God. And let me say this. You've been forgiven that you might forgive. You have been forgiven that you might forgive. You have been blessed in order to bless others. You have been graced in order to grace others. God's grace toward you and I empowers us to express His grace to other people. God's mercy uh, uh, enables you to show mercy to others. And, And forgiveness is just taking the grace that God has shown to you and extending that identical grace to the people who have wronged you, just like He extended grace to you when you had wronged Him. Now, God's forgiveness empowers you to forgive your offenders. I want to ask you a question tonight. Have you experienced God's forgiveness? Have you experienced, do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Have you experienced God's forgiveness? That Christ, you believe that Christ died for you. He died as you. He suffered in your place. Forgiveness is not something you earn. It's a free gift you accept by believing that Christ died in your place. He took your punishment. So tonight, before we get on with forgiveness, uh, we toward other people, we got to settle this matter of forgiveness before God. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray. I want you to bow your heart right now. I want you to bow your heart. I ask you again, have you experienced God's forgiveness? If you know you've experienced God's forgiveness, give God praise with an uplifted hand. Just, just put your hand up, will you? Just, just bless him. Praise him. Thank him. Worship him. Now, if you've never accepted Christ as your substitute, as your sin bearer, As the one who died in your place. This would be a good time to pray this prayer. Lord Jesus. I know I'm a sinner. I know I've broken your laws. But I believe that Christ died in my place. And right now I trust you to be my savior. Thank you for dying for me. I receive you as the savior and lord of my life. In Christ's name. Amen. Now, let me just say this, that once you get the roof off toward God, vertical forgiveness, you got to get the walls down between you and other people. So let's talk about this second point, granting forgiveness to others. Now, not only accepting forgiveness from God, but granting forgiveness to others. Now, resentment is a peacetaker. Resentment is a peacetaker. Forgiveness is a peacemaker. And I'm telling you, happy people are forgiven people. Buddy, you better learn how to forgive. Look, we don't forgive others because they are right. We forgive others because we want to be right. When you forgive somebody, you're not absolving what they did. You're not, it's not like that disappears. It's not denying that. Uh, we, forgive, we don't forgive others because they're right. We forgive others because we want to be right. And our forgiveness of others is based on what God has done for us, not what others have done to us. We live in an unjust world. Things are going to go wrong. And uh, one of the most difficult things is to deal with church crooks. Church crooks. I said said church crooks. (laughs) And uh, that's one of the most difficult things. We don't expect anything out of the world because they don't know any better. 
But, buddy, we expect something better. So you've got to learn how to deal with this. Now, it's always more rewarding to resolve a relationship than to dissolve a relationship. Now, blessed are the peacemakers. Now, the way to keep the peace is by constantly making peace. Disagreements. I was disagreeing with my wife's driving, uh, driving decisions coming through Gunnersville. Uh, the GPS was conflicted. My iPhone didn't agree with the GPS. And I felt like throwing, tossing both of them out of the window. And my wife said to me, do you want to drive? No, but I would like for you to do what I tell you to do. So, so you know, the way to, to keep the peace is by constantly making peace. You've got to master the art of forgiveness. You've got to master the pattern of forgiveness. Now, maturity doesn't wait for others to come to us and ask for forgiveness. Maturity doesn't wait for an apology. Maturity doesn't sit around and wait for the other party to come and get reconciled. Uh, immature people will sulk and sour when they get offended rather than tackle the situation and try to get it sorted out. Now, uh, immature people bring the room temperature down the moment they enter. Everybody can tell something is wrong. You know, there's some people who are good liars. I can't hide how I feel. I just can't do it. I couldn't play poker for nothing. Because but whatever, whatever it is, it's just going to show up. And that's not all bad. <laughs> but I want to tell you that uh, immature people, they are bad. Because when they enter the room, they bring the room temperature down. Mature people take the initiative and go to others to make amends. They take the, take the, they take the uh, proactive position. They put things right when things go wrong. And things are going to go wrong. Now, maturity is when the time of the offense and the time of asking forgiveness grow closer together. You know what we need? We need to master the art of forgiveness so we, we are quick recovery. We're, we're, we have a quick recovery. By the way, God is a recovery specialist. And a sin is just a worship disorder, really. But, but, you know, maturity is when we grow up to the point when the time, the span of time between the offense and reconciliation grows shorter. And, and we've got to learn how to, how to, how to get a, a quick recovery and work at maintaining peace in the home. Now, hurt is propor proportional to, minister, uh, to intimacy. Hurt is proportional to intimacy. In other words... The closer you are to somebody, the more the offense hurts. You know, when strangers say things about me, I don't even hear most of them, thank God. And if I do hear, big deal. But when somebody I really care for hurts me, nobody can hurt you like family members. Nobody. Now, listen, uh, the closer the person, the greater the potential for hurt. Now, when you're hurt, you're either going to cover it or confront it. When, when, when things go wrong, you're either going to cover it, gloss it over, or you're going to confront it. Now, to cover it means you just ignore it or leave it unchallenged or just let it slide. Uh, to confront really means to care front, that you care enough about the person in the relationship to, to deal with it, to try to get it reconciled. And any hurt that's not dealt with will warp into bitterness. You know, in Matthew chapter 18, uh, Peter asked a good question. Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times 70? 
<laughs> and Jesus said, I say not unto you until seven times seven, uh, but until 70 times seven. Now think of this. 70 times seven may not be talking about separate individual different offenses. 70 times, 70 times seven may not be talking about separate, isolated uh, individual instances, but it might be talking about the very same offense popping back up into our hearts and into our minds. And when the offense comes back to the mind, you've got to reaffirm your forgiveness if you've already dealt with it. You don't need to re-forgive. You just need to reconfirm that you've already done it. Now, forgiveness is a choice that has to be reaffirmed as often as the hurt resurfaces in our mind and our emotions. Now, family relationships require maintenance. Your automobile requires maintenance. If you have an American-made automobile, you need lots of maintenance. I mean, lots and lots of, or a British automobile, you need lots of maintenance, amen. But if you have a Toyota, you're pretty, pretty, good, pretty good most of the time. But uh, anyhow, um, failure to perform maintenance on your automobile can cause mechanical problems. And failure to maintain forgiveness can rob your home of peace. So let's talk about forgiveness for a moment. What is forgiveness? Great misunderstanding about forgiveness. Number one, forgiveness is not an emotion. It's a decision. Forgiveness is not an emotion. Do you think Jesus had warm fuzzies when he was being crucified with nails in his hands and spears being... I mean, really, do you think that uh, he just felt like forgiving these people when he said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing? No, it's not an emotion. It's a decision. When Stephen said it was being stoned to death, I mean rocks pelting him, and he said, oh, Father, don't lay this sin to their charge. Well, that wasn't an emotion, man. That wasn't any, some sort of a uh, feeling. <laughs> it, was a, it was a decision. Now, you've got to choose to forgive before you feel like forgiven, or else you probably never will. And let me just say this. Forgiveness has got nothing to do with how you feel. It's not an emotion, it's a decision. Now, you're not hostage to your emotions unless you choose to be. How many of you think that God's people, we need to quit living out of our emotions and just do the right thing? How many of you figured it out if you do the right thing, your feelings catch up, but not the other way around? You're more likely to act your way into feeling than feel your way into acting, amen? That's just the way it is. Now, look, forgiving is an act of your will, not uh, an emotion in your heart. So forgiveness is a decision. It's not an emotion. It, it's a choice. It's not a feeling. Number two, forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not forgetting. How often have we heard? Well, if you don't forgive them, if you don't forget it, you really didn't forgive. You ever heard that kind of nonsense? Where do these guys come up with this stuff? If they just, you know, if you would think twice, you'd be the smartest person in the room. (laughs) Is this right or wrong? Now, forgiveness is not forgetting. We've all had stuff happen to us that we can't forget. I mean, we've all had occurrences (laughs) that have happened to us that... The wound was so deep and so painful and so severe. We're, we're not capable of blotting that uh, memory out of our minds. I, I just want to say that we don't have the capacity to willingly forget. Boy, wouldn't that be great? If we could take all of the files in our minds of hurt, click on them, drag them over to the trash can, 
hit the delete button, gone. My, my wife was quoting to me some ideas for a sermon today. She normally doesn't do that, but she had a couple of good points. So I was writing them down. And would you believe I didn't save them and I lost every one of them? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could take the memories that we don't want and get rid of them forever? Wouldn't that be great? Mm -hmm. Anybody here have the tendency to forget what you ought to remember and you tend to remember what you ought to forget? Do you ever do that? Got it backwards here? That's that's why I I always go about things backwards. So forgiveness, what is it? It's 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 not forgetting. Forgiveness is a decision to release a debt. So when people have hurt us and wronged us and we forgive them, what we're doing is we're releasing them from their obligations to us. Um, Long ago, uh, I was preparing a message on forgiveness and God really spoke to me. This was back a while and... uh, and all of these things, I, and, and if you had asked me if I was a, a bitter person, I would, have, I would have honestly said, well, absolutely not. I was full of bitterness and didn't even know it. Isn't that the way sin is? Tricks you to where you don't even know that you're in the hole, you're in the pit and don't even know it. You know, it's like double blind, you know, you're blind and don't even realize it. So I went in my backyard and I said, now, Lord, I want to forgive these people who uh, made promises to me, but they never came through. And I said, God, it really hurt me, and I've been angry about it, but God, I'm choosing to release them. I'll never hold it against them again. It's between you and them. I said, God, here's a man that offended me in front of a bunch of people when I was a kid. And I said, Lord, I've been upset about it. I've been holding it against him. But I want to tell you right now, Lord, I'm choosing to forgive him. I'll never hold it against him again. It's between you and him. It's out of my league. It took me 45 minutes to tear up a list I didn't even know I had. You say, you're talking about you owe me? Uh, you're talking about I owe you? No, I'm talking about you owe me. That's what we're talking about is forgiving the people that owe us. That have wronged us. It's a choice. It's something you work out between you and God. That's why you can forgive people who are dead. I know people who were abused. The, 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 the abuser was gone. Well, this is something you sort out in your heart. And by the way, when you forgive people, uh, you don't really need to go and tell people you forgive them if they're not asking for it. Because if they're not asking for forgiveness, they probably don't even think they need to be forgiven. And narcissists don't know they need to be forgiven. Self-righteous abusers are oblivious to the hurt they cause other people. So if somebody's offended you, you can sort it out between you and God. And if they're not asking for forgiveness, you'll probably cause more problems by going to them and telling them that you're forgiven them if they don't think they need it. Now, it's a choice to release a debt. I was in California. A lady wrote me a letter. Here's what she said. She said, um, she said, I was only able to attend three times, having recently hurt my back, but I was there on the night of the message on the debtor's prison. I released my husband of 38 years from debtor's prison that night. So she had him locked up for 38 years with unforgiveness for whatever he had done or hadn't done. But he got out of jail that night, and brother, she got out of jail too. And I'm just telling you, when you forgive other people, God frees up your spirit. If you're all in bondage, you might want to sort out your unforgiveness list. If you don't get your prayers answered, that'd be the first thing to do is to check up on your unforgiveness list. Now, forgiveness is not based on what other people have done to us, but what God has done for us. 
So it's not a tallying up the situation. And by the way, God can mete out justice. Vengeance belongs to him. So it's out of our, our jurisdiction. Anybody with me on this? Anybody ever feel like joining a vigilante group uh, to carry out a little uh, justice on some bunch of knotheads? Well, of course, we've all had those feelings, but uh, really, that's not our position, is it? And, and don't you worry about ultimate justice. I had a guy tell me one day, he said, I like Buddhism because Buddhism teaches karma and people get paid back uh, for what they've done. I said, well, the truth is everybody gets paid back, not on earth all the time, but in eternity, it's all going to come out. So, so it's, a, it's a choice uh, to forgive. Now, unless you forgive, you relive it over and over. How many people just rehash the offenses and the hurts and the wounds over and over again? Now, look, once you release a debt, let me tell you how to stay free. Because once you choose to forgive somebody, it's not a guarantee you'll never have another reoccurring thought. I'll guarantee you, you'll have reoccurring thoughts, all right? Unless you have a complaining spouse and your brain is turned to mush. That was from the message last night, if you didn't, I don't think you were listening, but uh, get the CD. But uh, anyhow, uh, now, now once you release a debt, don't rehearse it. Don't keep talking about it. Don't keep thinking about it. How many, does anybody here ever build a legal case against your offenders in your mind? And you got the wording just right of what you're going to say and tell them off when you have the opportunity. Do you ever just stuff like that? Don't rehearse it. Now, once you forgive them, you're going to have reoccurring thoughts, but reject the, 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 the temptation to rehearse those things. Number two, don't nurse it. Remember that after what we had when the, the girl said she had a case of ingrown eyeballs. Remember that? <laughs> Self-pity. Don't nurse it. Well, they really did do me wrong. And wait a minute. It's out of your, it's out of your, your jurisdiction. You've left it with God. Don't nurse it. Don't rehearse it. Number three, don't curse it. Don't call down fire on your offending party. Vengeance belongs to the Lord, so leave that to him. You say, well, what am I supposed to do? Uh, do pray for him. Now, once you transact this releasing of a debt uh, and the thoughts come back, pray for him. Uh, God delivered Job from his captivity when he prayed for his friends. Well, his friends were his accusers and his attackers. And they were the ones telling him the reason you're in a mess is because you got all kinds of sin in your life. Remember those guys? <sighs> Man, don't be like that. Pray for them. When, 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 the, when the thoughts come back, what do you say? God bless them. God help them. God bless their family. Back in the day, uh, I bought me a, a Chevrolet Impala. I found a 350 block, the type they put in race cars. And uh, I, I contracted with a Christian brother to rebuild my 350. And I was going to have me a good car for a couple of thousand bucks, I thought. Well, he put the head gaskets on backwards and warped the block and burnt the thing up. And it's just a disaster. So I went to this man and I... I made an appeal. How many know it's okay to make an appeal? How many know it's often unfruitful? <laughs> he sensed no obligation to do a blooming thing. So you know what I did? Got angry. Got upset. My blood pressure is high to start with, but it got even higher. And every time I would see him, like at Lowe's coming down the aisle, I would immediately 
turn quickly and go back and get in another aisle so I wouldn't have to see his ugly face because I didn't, I didn't want to have to deal with this because it was upsetting to me. So, you know, I'm carrying this around thinking, man, I got ripped off again. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so I begin to pray. I said, now, Lord, I want to pray for this man. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm forgiving this man, Lord. It's out of my hands. It's between you and him. And I said, Lord, I pray you'd bless him. I pray you'd bless his family. I pray you'd minister to his wife. I pray you'd help his children. I pray you'd help his... I was just praying every kind of a blessing I could think of. And what happens over time is if you'll pray blessing on the people that have wronged you long enough, your anger will dissipate. And it ain't going to make no difference in in, in 10 years. Uh, And if it ain't going to make a difference in five years, it shouldn't be making a whole lot of difference right now. And nothing's going to make any difference in 50 years for most of us. So... Don't sweat the small stuff. Amen? Pray for them. Ask God to bless them. Now, who should practice forgiveness? Husbands and wives. Especially ones that have driving problems. Uh, husbands and wives should, should, should practice forgiveness. Amen? You know what I told my wife the other day? She said, well, I can't. I said, well, would you go out and get me a coffee or something? She said, I can't go out. I'm not dressed up. I said, why do you want to dress up more for people you don't know when you ought to be dressed up for me? I just threw that one out there. And uh, now guys don't care. Amen. You know, the older you get, comfort's more important than appearance. Amen. Look at Pastor Rick. <laughs> I mean, really. Look at Brother Don back here. I mean, really. I mean, uh, Cool. So I'm cool, <laughs> but, uh, you know, comfort's where it's at, amen? But, but anyhow, back to it. Who should forgive, parents and children? Yeah, yeah, I don't need to say anything on this. <laughs> Siblings, what's up with all this squabbling? And what's up with mother-in-law and daughter-in-law all across the nation? What is up with this? Well, I think it's a forgiveness issue. Uh, now, let me ask you tonight. Is there anybody you've not forgiven? Is there any debt that you've not released? Is there any offender that you're holding something against? Let's deal with it right now. Bow your heads for a moment right now. Now, if you've got a you owe me list, I want you to shred it in the presence of God right now. If you're holding stuff against people, say something. Now, Lord, I want to forgive this person that hurt me, harmed me, wronged me, lied to me, offended me. Lord, I'm I'm choosing to forgive them. I'm not going to hold it against them. It's out of my hands. I release the debt. Shred the list. Just take take about 60 seconds right here. If there's somebody that you have unforgiveness in your heart toward, then just release that debt as an act of faith in prayer right now. Now, pray for your offender. God, save them. God, help them. God, have mercy on them. God, bless them. Lord, bless their home. Just pray pray prayers of blessing toward the people that you've just forgiven. And learn to do that every time that thing comes back to your mind.
I want you to pray for people tonight who have been deeply hurt and wronged and abused and offended in, in, in reality, not imaginary, but real. I want you to pray right now that God would set them free. That grace would heal them, heal their emotions, heal their minds, heal their hearts. Father, thank you tonight that there's forgiveness with you that you might be feared. And Lord, there's a commandment from you to forgive our offenders and to be tenderhearted, forgiving others, just as Christ has forgiven us. Now, Lord, seal these things in our hearts. Teach us how to walk this Calvary road. We give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. Accepting forgiveness from God, granting forgiveness to others. But number three, asking forgiveness from others. That's the third category. Asking forgiveness from others. Ben Franklin said, never ruin an apology with an excuse. Don't ever half-heartedly apologize, but, and then come up with that but. Just forget that. Never ruin an apology with an excuse. Now, the scope of your transgression will determine the scope of your confession. If it's a personal thing, tell God about it. If it's a private thing, tell God and the people that are directly involved. If it's a public thing, public confession. Keep it, keep it in those confines. You'll always come out right. If it's a public sin, okay, public confession. If it's a private sin, talk to God and the people who are involved. But if it's a personal thing, I just talk to God alone. And the scope of your transgression will determine the scope of your confession. Bill Gothard used to say that a clear conscience is the ability to honestly say that there is no one on this earth that I have ever wronged, hurt, or offended in any way and not gone back and attempted to make it right. I remember the first time I heard that. What? A clear conscience is the ability to honestly say that there is no one on this earth that I have ever wronged, hurt, or offended in any way and not gone back and attempted to make it right. Man, I heard that and I thought, I don't know if I have enough, enough decades to square everything that, uh, that I've, uh, I've done wrong. But, you know, God kind of narrowed it down to about six key situations. Was there, I'm going to tell you about one of them. One of them was a, a widow woman storekeeper across from our public school in the first grade. A bunch of reprobates. So we would go in and, and, and one of the guys would distract the storekeeper. While the other guy would sneak behind the counter and we would steal two things. Uh, S.O. key rings. Remember Tony the Tiger key rings? Remember that? We had hundreds. And, and second, cool cigarettes. They were the two objects of theft uh, while we were distracting the widow woman storekeeper. What a bunch of... And so, so I, I came to the Lord and God narrowed it down and she, she was one of them. And I had to go to her. <laughs> her name was Mrs. Owen. She was like just nice as she could be. And I went there. Man, I was nervous. You know, my mouth was all cotton. I mean, you know, you get nervous when you have, when you have to clear yourself sometimes and humble yourself. So I'm in there and I said, uh, well, I need to ask your forgiveness. And she said, well, what for? And I said, well, we stole cigarettes and we stole these key rings. And, and uh, she said, oh, Harold, she said, all children do that. I said, I don't know what all children do, but this child did something that was wrong, and I'm here to ask you to forgive me. And she could tell I was serious. And you know what I found out? People are shocked at people who are honest enough to admit they've done something wrong. 
I remember one time I shot the wrong kind of deer. Anybody ever done that? <laughs> I was a teenager. It was a 350-yard shot with a 222, which was illegal. And uh, I, I, had, I bounced that thing all around the country. I was sure the scope was, uh, was not sent right. So I was on the back of my 71 Pinto, and I laid that thing right over the hood and about 350 yards. And the, that's a fast bullet, buddy. And the moment I pulled the trigger, that, that deer fell over. And I thought, boy, I hope... I hope it's a buck. And then I ran over and found out no horns, wrong gender. Obama wouldn't care, but uh, anyway, uh, the game warden cared about it. And um, I don't know, oh, man. So I loaded the, the deer up, brought it to the house. My father helped me clean the thing, got the thing, and uh, we hung it in the tobacco barn. <laughs> and I took the hide and the and through that in the creek, destroying evidence, <laughs> and uh, had a little collusion going on here, and, uh, and, and then, uh, you know, for, for about a day, I felt, I wouldn't have felt any worse if I had murdered somebody, I wouldn't have felt any worse, second day, same thing, third day, I said, forget this, so I went to the courthouse, and I had a buddy who was a deputy sheriff, and I told him, I, I said, he said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll go to talk to the judge for you. I said, go ahead. I said, whatever i got to do, I'll pay to replace it. It didn't make any difference. I just got to get this off my chest. I just can't take this. So he went in and told the judge and came back out. And he said, Harold, judge says, I appreciate you coming and uh, fessing up. But uh, this time we're going to let it go. There's no penalty. And I said, well, I'll, I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll, but you know something? I, I'd rather go too far like that than go too far the other way. Because if you can justify a small thing, you can get it where you can justify all kinds of stuff. <laughs> so putting things right. Now, uh, uh, obedience. Paul said, herein do I exercise myself to have a conscience void of offense toward God and man. <laughs> in revival, this always happened. Always happens up in Annandale at Steve Reynolds Church. I remember a woman came forward one night. She had a baby in one arm and a woman on the other arm. And she said, today I went and asked forgiveness from the woman whose husband I stole three years ago. Now I'm asking you as a church to forgive me for living in sin for the last three years. Public sin, public confession. Private sin, private confession. Personal sin, personal confession. I mean, just keep it on that level. You always come out right. I was in Florida one time. Got in a little move of God. Went on for 11 days. A lady stood up and she said, I'm not used to talking to you all face to face. She said, I normally talk behind your backs. And everybody knew that was true. <laughs> and she got clear. And I'm telling you, that it was like the Spirit of God came through the baptistry, it seemed to me, and swept through the auditorium. We extended the meeting five more days uh, because it freed up the atmosphere. Now, you either act in obedience or you're going to walk in, defe and walk in defeat. When it comes to this, you either act in obedience or you're going to walk in defeat. And it ain't worth it. <laughs> I mean, the secrets of men's hearts going to come out. Might as well come out now. Amen. Just go and get it right now. I personally believe that uh, there's going to be a great revival meeting at the judgment seat. It's not just going to be uh, an awards, an, an Awana banquet uh, with award trophies. Uh, there's going to be some putting things right that didn't get reconciled on earth. I believe that. Now, uh, n never say, never say this. I'm sorry you are offended. You know, if you've done wrong, you ought to say, I am sorry for my offense. Amen. Don't put the onus on the other person. 
if, if you're the culprit, are you with me? So never say, I'm sorry you're offended. Number two, never say, well, if I've ever done anything to offend any of y'all, I just uh, uh, ask you to forgive me. If you didn't do anything, don't say anything. And the ifs never solved anything. I had a guy come up to me the other day, and uh, he wanted to get reconciled over something. And I, he said, well, if I've ever done anything. I said, it's not a question of if. You did. <laughs> he said, I'm sorry. I said, forgiven. Clear. Over. Let's shake hands. It's all over here. No, so so never, never, the ifs never solved anything. How do you ask forgiveness? Well, don't say sorry. <laughs> So don't say that. Say, I am, I was wrong. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? That's the way to do it. Uh, I was wrong in, name the offense. Uh, I am sorry. Will you forgive me? That's 10 words for uh, perennial revival in the home. Now, let me say this. Forgiveness does not change the past, but it can change the future. Forgiveness doesn't change the past, but buddy, it can change your future. And I'm just telling you, this is so important. Accepting forgiveness from God, that's salvation. A granting forgiveness to others, that's our part. And then asking forgiveness from others when we have uh, uh, knowingly or unknowingly, willingly or unwillingly, intentionally or unintentionally offended people. Listen to the text. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Listen to this. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. What about that? Hey, we got to master the art of forgiveness. Amen? And uh, by the way, I have a Ph.D. in repentance. I have a Ph.D. in repentance. Because I've been wrong so much. And I've had to go put things right so many times. I've mastered the art of repentance, I think. Uh, and, and when it comes to forgiveness, you've got to master the art of repentance. What are we talking about? Get the air cleared in family relationships as much as possible. I mean, it's not always possible, but your, your part is possible. You can do everything in your power. And then if the other party doesn't want to play, then at least you can be clear yourself. So we're going to have a family huddle. Now, take your little booklet right here little booklet right here. Look at the family huddle time on, on page 7. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to huddle up as families and discuss this. What spoke to you most in this message? Just ask your family members. What spoke to you most in this family message? And share what spoke most to you. And then second, uh, do you need to use those 10 words for revival in the home? I was wrong. In. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Then number three, this is not in the notes. But uh, the third thing to do is to ask the question, what can we do to make our home a happier place? Okay? What can we do to make our home a happier place? And then talk through those three questions and then have a season of prayer together. And then we'll close a little later, okay? Family huddle time, those three questions uh, right here. And then, uh, and then just have a little season of prayer together. Huddle up, move if you have to. Get with your family if they're here. If you don't have family members here, get with somebody else that doesn't have family members here. And, uh, and just go through these things and minister to one another and pray together.